I'm just kidding. They told me to hold off. So, Well, good morning, Grace Community Church. It is good to see such a wonderful church family today. And I mean that sincerely. I think of you guys as family. And like any family, we all have those interesting characters that we're not supposed to talk about. But I'm going to talk about them, right? That's just what I do. I mean, we all have in our family, we have that we have that grumpy old uncle that you're just not sure if you're allowed to go talk to him or not. We all have that person. Uh, totally sidebar, I just want to say good morning, Jim Franklin. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, unrelated, unrelated. Unrelated, my friend. Um, I, I'm just kidding. Jim has a great sense of humor, folks. He has to. He's an Auburn fan. He, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, he just comes with the territory. War Eagle, they won yesterday. Yes, they won. Good job. Every family has that, what we call, Aunt B. Aunt B, you know, the busybodies, you know. Now, our church family, maybe not. I'm not going to say that because I know better. But if any of you ladies go home today and you say, I wonder who it's talking about. Probably you. <laughs> Probably you, but I'm just being serious. I'm just being serious. That, that's... That is an interesting character. Uh, another interesting character is who has those, when you go to like uh, your Thanksgiving meal at, at your big family get-together, and you have that one person that brings like four, five, six personalities with them, and, and you don't know which one's going to come out? Ed, stop pointing at Cindy. That is, <laughs> that is not appropriate at all. Maybe true, but not appropriate. I got your back, Sybil. Uh, Cindy, I got your back. <laughs> we are not going to talk about her. So any of you Aunt Bees that go home and start thinking, does she really have multiple personalities? Yes, yes. Yes, she does. But we're not going to start rumors here today, okay? We'll wait till tomorrow. Interesting characters in our family. I, I, some of you are probably wondering, well, why, why is this group on stage? Well, the elders are wondering the same thing. Thad's over here sweating bullets thinking, what is, what is Chris going to say? And who am I going to have to talk to and convince not to leave this church? Probably Cindy. Start with her. But, but today, we're, the 412 ministry is going to lead the service, okay? So the 412 ministry is our youth group here at Grace Community. And I, if you didn't know me, or maybe, maybe you do know me and wish you didn't, well... Join the club. Join the club. My wife's the president. I'm just kidding. My wife's wonderful. I have to say that because she's in the room with me at night while I'm sleeping. So I've got to be careful what I say around her. Around her. But today we are going to lead. Our, we've got our praise band here. We're going to lead the worship. And then Corey's going to come up and teach. So you've got an opportunity to hear Mr. Mr. Corey, he does a great job on Wednesday nights teaching. But before we did, they thought, well, let's have someone come up and talk about another interesting character from our family, which is those annoying teenagers. I'm looking specifically at a few of you right now. Hey, Braden, how you doing? Anyway, so they thought, well, who better to talk about annoying teenagers than an annoying youth leader? So here I am. I want to share with you a few things in case... You've never worked with youth. Just to give you some insight on, on youth group, on teenagers. So, for example, if you work with teenagers, if you go on a youth trip, it brings a whole new meaning to the term euthanized. Euthanized, <laughs> it, that's true. 
uh, about halfway through the trip, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I have been euthanized. I'm dead inside. And then that last day, the last day of the trip, usually the youth leaders get together and pray to be euthanized. That, that's the last day. We're like, but the Lord has been good. He's always brought us home safely, despite a few leaders trying to jump out of a moving bus, but we've always made it back. The Lord is good to us. The Lord personally is good to me. I'll share, this is a true story. Not that the others aren't true, but it's a true story. Here a few months ago, back in May, I was dealing with vertigo. First experience. If you've never had vertigo, I will share with you a few things. It's horrible. I, I was, it went on for weeks with me. It was horrible. It made me feel miserable. It sucked the life out of me. It is something you want to avoid, much like teenagers, okay? So when you think of vertigo and teenagers, about the same thing, about the same thing. But the Lord has helped me to get through this. I had not had any trouble lately. I'm thankful for that. So anyway, those are a couple of comparisons so that you understand what it's like to work with these wonderful, wonderful students. I mean, and I think it probably just is, is clear, my passion and my love for these students. It's hard to not appreciate all that they do for you, like, like going on youth trips. I, I'll, I'll just share with you, if you think about, for me personally, I look at it as a very good opportunity to work with fine young folks because it's an opportunity to build up treasure in heaven. Because I look at some of the greatest, greatest characters of the Bible. Moses, did he work with youth? I don't think so. I didn't see any evidence of it in the Bible. Maybe it's because he just couldn't handle it. I don't know. If you think about, okay, Moses led God's people out of Egypt under almost impossible circumstances. That's tough. Whole nother ballgame working with these guys. Whole nother ballgame. This is way worse. I don't, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'll find out when we get to heaven. I'll talk to Moses about it. Did Noah work with, did Noah work with youth? I don't know, where's George? George knew Noah personally. We can ask, there, hey, George, let's talk later. I th I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Not about George, they did know, he did know Noah. He used to skip rocks off the ark. But I kid about the youth group. They're a great group. We love working with them. I'll speak on behalf of all of our youth leaders. Um, we love the kids. They're great kids. It's a fun uh, time on Wednesday nights. If you have, uh, if you know of students that want a place to be on Wednesday nights, they're welcome to be with us. Seventh, 7th to 12th grade, we start at 6.30, go to about 8. They're welcome to come before and after we hang out. So anyway, we're going to get started. But before I do, I wanted to take a minute to introduce our youth leaders. Um, first and foremost is my lovely wife. So if y'all will, just stand up. This is a lucky woman right here, folks. <laughs> Amanda Laughlin, so she's one of the youth leaders here. Next is Corey and Megan Cooper. Corey does the teaching here. He actually came through youth group here many years ago. Many, many, many years ago. And, and this lovely couple just had a baby, Festus. Not, not his name. Not his name. Isaiah. Isaiah, that's it. Yes. thought it was Festus. Next group, Daryl and Joellen Ingram. See, Joellen, Daryl was out front earlier. I don't know if he's made it back. He's a greeter. So when you go out, just greet him. Um, Daryl and Joellen are newest to, the, to our youth leader group, but they've, they've been a welcome addition because they keep us out of trouble, which can be a challenge with Corey leading in the group. 
Uh, next, I will introduce where I saw Lane Cockendall earlier. He's one of our interns. Lane, stand up if you're here, because I don't know. I can't see. Well, he's here. Just imagine, imagine Hank, but younger. Um, Lane, we're thankful that he's joined us. He actually came through the youth group as well. Much like Corey, he's kind of a troublemaker, so Daryl and Joel, and keep, keep them uh, from causing too much trouble. Uh, next, I'll introduce a young lady that's actually been part of the youth group since before she was born because her, her parents apparently have worked with the youth since before she was born. Uh, Savannah Laughlin. Savannah, Savannah is actually, she's a leader in training because she, she leads the youth ministry, the, the music for our youth ministry. And Savannah, I've always heard that your dad is the most awesome person ever. Is that true? Is that true? Who's your dad? I can't remember. Me? Oh, stop it. You make me blush. Oh, my goodness. She's always embarrassing me. Uh, and then next, last but not least, is Andrew Blunt. He has joined us. He just uh, he finished school, came, came through the youth group, finished school up at Tribeca. Great baseball career. Andrew, I've heard that your dad not so wonderful. Is that true? No? Heard. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, so this is our group. I, there, I see youth scattered out throughout the sanctuary. I would introduce them, but if you're like me, you don't want to see them. So I'm not going to make them stand. So leaders, y'all can sit back down. Yay. So uh, just a... Just to wrap up, because Thad's blood pressure is getting up. He wants me off the stage. Um, we are thankful to be a part of the youth ministry, thankful for the church's support, thankful for each of you guys and, and those of you that have students that you've allowed to be part of the youth ministry. We're thankful that you let us be a part of their lives. So we appreciate it. We're looking forward to the service. Uh, we've got a video. Then our music team's going to lead, and then Corey will come up and teach. So thank you all. Stand up and praise the Lord with us this morning. 
morning, Grace. I know that I've had several requests for uh, Mr. Incredible to make an appearance, <clears throat> but I figure the only time I, I'm asked to come up here is when they sedate Thaddeus and cut on him, so I'm going to walk a tight line today. And I really do enjoy and appreciate the opportunity to teach God's Word, something that I, I love, I love to do. There is not really another joy that I have in this world than to proclaim his truth. So, um, and I'm, I'm really kind of, I get to study a lot, and uh, I guess it helps if I turn this on. Um, I've had several weeks to study through what we're going to kind of dive into this morning. And I'm going to confess something to y'all. When, uh, whenever I start praying through, hey, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? Uh, what do you want me to uh, study? Whether it's for the youth or a one-time thing that I'm going to do. Um, he's got a really awesome ability to kind of wait until the last minute to let me know. And this time was really different. Like, I knew months in advance. And, uh, and it never changed. Like, it was just, this is what you're supposed to teach on. And so I'm like, okay. And I, and I came to this section honestly going, that really won't be for me. You know, like, it might be for somebody out here, but for me, this is, like, I've, I've got this, this one down. And <laughs> the more I study this, the more I realize I don't. We're going to go through Revelations 2, 2 through 5. And, uh, and this idea of leaving your first love, I have a typo there. It shouldn't say lost. It should say leave or left. <clears throat> this leaving of your first love um, wanted to be on our minds throughout the day. It's been on mine for weeks. And like I said, I, I came to this going, absolutely not. I love my first love. I love him fiercely. And in studying, it's unfortunately become a little evident to me that I don't love him as well as I should. So let's get started, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. <clears throat> In 2-2, uh, this is Jesus Christ speaking to the church of Ephesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would lead us this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. Lord, give me good recall. Lord, keep anything that is not accurate, is not right, 
keep it from leaving my mouth. Father, I pray that I would only proclaim your truth correctly and accurately with all the integrity. Father, protect me. I need you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would lead us today. Father, that you would convict us today. You are so faithful. Father, help us to keep our first love. Lord, we, we need you. We need your power. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that as we close today in worship, that it would be pleasing to you, honoring to you, glorifying to you. You and only you. Father, we love you. In your name I pray. With all my heart, I love you. Amen. So, I kind of, uh, when I start a study, I kind of do a quick outline, something I just do for me personally. Um, this is a very simplistic outline. Um, we see the good, Revelations 2, 2 through 3. And when, then we see the bad, Revelations 2, 4. And you know, the Father is so good to give us the fix. So he gives us the fix in Revelations 2, 5. So we're going to kind of dive into it like, like that. I think that's the best way to approach it. Um, if you disagree, okay. You might. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. <clears throat> Revelations 2, 2. Revelation. So here we see, the, the, again, this is the Lord talking to the church at Ephesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Now, I think it's important to understand a little bit of context here. Uh, the church at Ephesus was a big harbor city, right? So there was a massive harbor, a lot of ships would come in, and so you had a lot of cultural influences from different ships, from different cultures. Um, this also, in the ancient world, they had one of the seven wonders, okay? It was a uh, temple for Artemis, so there was a lot of false teaching, false believing in this city. So you had a lot of influence from outside in, and it was a big city being a harbor city, and then you also had this false teaching right there at home. So there's a lot of distractions, okay? A lot of things to pull these, these believers away. Because again, this is directed from Jesus. It's directed to the church, to believers in Ephesus. And the Lord's sitting here and he's saying, hey, I know your works. I know your labor. And I don't know how y'all receive that, but for me, as I'm thinking through the Lord knowing my works and my labor, sometimes I'm kind of like, do you have to know my works and my labor? Like, can we overlook some of that stuff? And, you know, for this church, he's really giving them like an applaud, just, hey, you're doing good, right? This, this term for labor, it's an intense labor, and it's united with trouble. This is an intense work that, that this church is doing. And we'll dive into it a little bit more later, but um, thinking about this, for me, I thought through a crepe myrtle tree. Anybody like crepe myrtles? I hate them, okay, with a passion. Um, and we'll dive into that a little bit more, but uh, I want to I give a crepe myrtle plug here, and then we'll come back to it, okay? I'm plugging the crepe myrtle. Um, the Lord knows this church's patience and their desire for good, right? This bearing, it's an endurance. It's an endurance. So this, this church, the Lord is going, hey, y'all have intense labor, y'all have works, y'all are 
y'all are enduring evil, like y'all aren't, y'all aren't going to it, you're enduring it. There's a lot of really good things here, right? I mean, like, I'm reading through this for the first couple of times, and I'm like, man, this church, they kind of have it together. I mean, that's, that's what you're reading this and thinking. The Lord knows this church's testing of apostles. And again, I want us to think through that, that context of where this church is. It's in Ephesus. You've got this, this wondrous temple for a uh, Greek god, right, a false god. And so there was, I'm sure, just countless false teachings, people that were coming into the church saying they, they had the way. And, and these, these guys, these, these ladies, they are, they are enduring this, and they're testing those people. And, and the scripture says that they're finding them to be liars. Right? I mean, th- so they're not just testing them and then failing. They're testing them and succeeding. They're going, hey, you're not who you say you are. So there, I mean, there's a lot of good here, right? And there's always that downfall. All right, so the church was doing really well in these categories and is being recognized by Christ himself in that. So Jesus Christ is going, hey, you're doing really well, really, really well here. And normally on a Wednesday night when I want to drink something, I have a student read, kind of makes it easier. All right, verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. There's that term labor again. The Lord knows the church's perseverance and patience. And this term for patience, it's the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by, by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So we're going to come back to that crepe myrtle. Um, I guess it was a year and a half ago, maybe, we were getting our house ready to be sold, and I had, I think, four crepe myrtle trees in the front yard, and I knew that I needed to remove them <clears throat> so I could give my house a little bit better curb appeal. And so, you know, um, being the guy that I am, I called a couple of the youth seniors and took full advantage of them and uh, told them, hey, come over to my house. We're going to have steaks. I just want to fellowship with you guys. So I called, called Luke in Houston, and they come over, and uh, fully expecting the steak, and I said, here's some shorts, and here's a shirt, and I've, you know, if y'all know Houston, you know that he can't fit my shirt and shorts, so um, <laughs> that was a little uh-oh on his end, but so I hand him a pickaxe and a shovel, and we start digging. We start getting these trees up, and it took hours and hours and blisters upon blisters and then more hours. It was awful. And so my love for crepe myrtles became a severe disdain. And thinking back on that, obviously it was some good time. We had, we had fun uh, doing that. The steaks were good um, afterwards. But, you know, thinking through that, the crepe myrtle, I don't know if you've ever seen their root system, but it's wide and really deep, like really deep. And so these weren't young crepe myrtles. They were old. Um, they were probably in there for 20 years, and they were just super deep in the ground. They were very grounded. The root system was great. And so because of that, it gave them the ability to withstand great trials and sufferings. Um, and so for us, I want us to be like a great myrtle, okay? We need to be rooted and grounded in his truth, okay? Because when that happens, we can act like this. We can, we can have this 
patience like the Lord is telling the church of Ephesus that they have. We can be known as that church, a church that can withstand great trials, great sufferings. Because I can tell you, <clears throat> after hours of swinging that pickaxe, that great myrtle was suffering. Like it was, and I was too. It was, it was awful. But I just want that to be in our minds. Be a great myrtle. Okay, be a great myrtle. This church is also, again, known for their labor, right? And this term for labor is a little different than the previous term. This uh, denotes being tired, being exhausted, okay, tired and exhausted. And I think it's funny and weird at the same time because it basically you're saying this church has become exhausted for my name's sake and has not become weary, and I don't exactly, like, as I'm thinking through that, how does that happen? Like, how do you become exhausted and not weary at the same time? And I think that, that phrase in the middle, for my name's sake, that's, that's that pivotal edge. That's that swinging point there. If we're doing things for ourselves, we're going to become tired. We're going to become weary. Like, it's going to happen. And so if our focus is on self, you're just going to burn out. That's what's going to happen. You may start with the greatest of intentions, but you're going to cease. You're going to stop. And so this church, their focal point was good. I mean, they're doing it for Jesus. I mean, their mindset is, I'm, I'm being patient for Christ. I'm laboring for Christ. I'm working for Christ. I mean, that's, that's this church's mindset, which is awesome. I mean, it is a really good thing. The Lord is commending them, right? You're doing this for me. He knows, and that's giving them this endurance to continue, to not become weary. Even though this laboring should make them exhausted, it's not. They're not becoming weary. And why? It's because it's for the Lord. So I want to encourage us that as we work here, we're doing it for the Lord. You know, I'm, I feel very blessed to have grown up in this church. Um, you know, on the back wall, not to be ministered unto, but to minister the mindset of this body of believers has always been to minister. And it, it comes in different shapes, different forms, but a lot of people in this church, they're involved in ministry, whether it's here within these walls or outside of these walls. I mean, as I'm looking out at a lot of y'all, I know, I've seen for years, your work and your laboring. So I appreciate that. As somebody who's been able to look up to a lot of you, thank you. It's been awesome for me to see and encouraging. And it's, and it's really a large part the Lord's used that to encourage me that as I got older, there was no other option. It was ministry or fail. <laughs> like, there was no other way for me. If I was not to be in ministry, I was to be a failure. And so, <clears throat> there's a lot of good that comes out of that. And this, Jesus Christ himself is commending this church. Hey, you're doing a great job. Great job. And then comes verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The Greek word for nevertheless means despite this. And it's a very strong word. Okay, it's not, not something that you would just skim over. This, this word, when you read it in the Greek, you, it's going to cause you pause. I mean, you're going to read it and go, ooh. Jesus Christ is saying... You're, you're laboring, and you are working, and you're doing it for me. But despite all of that, 
you've left your first love. You've left your first love. This has left is to give up. It's to keep no longer. And there's a couple things I want to make sure we understand about this. And the reason I I wanted to make sure y'all understood, it was a typo on the first slide. This lost, there's a difference in lost and leaving. Okay? There's a difference. This, This church has not lost their love. They've left it. They've left it. And I want us to, to know that it's just not enough to perform well for Christ. If you wake up and you do all these wondrous works for Jesus Christ, but you've left your first love, what is it for? It's not enough to perform well. We must love well. It's got to be a non-negotiable in our life. This, this, this has to be something we are determined to do. We are going to love well. We are going to love Jesus Christ. I think we can see why love is so important in Matthew 22. Matthew 22. We're going to read verses 34 through 40. And this is Pharisees and Jesus Christ in verse, 40, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, and this is the lawyer asking Jesus Christ, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we have here in the book of Revelation, Jesus is saying to this church, hey, great job in all these areas, but despite all that, you've left your first love. You've left your first love, which is me. Here in the book of Matthew, Jesus is on his earthly ministry. He's here in person, and he's asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, to love me, to love me, to love me. That's the greatest. Then he says, to love others, which is like it. I think it's really important, number one, because Jesus Christ says says it's important. I mean, that should be enough for us. If Jesus Christ says it's important, that's enough, period. End of story, we should do it. But I also think it's funny how Jesus says, and the second is like it, he ties loving others to loving himself. So if we aren't loving the Lord well, if we're not loving him right, according to Jesus, we can't love others well or right. And so not only do we become in violation of Jesus Christ saying, hey, love me, But now we're also in violation of not loving others. So it's like this double whammy, right? One bad thing can equal two bad things. And so I just want us to kind of pause and and think about, about this love aspect. You know, thinking through this for me, um, I try to think of funny things from time to time. I know that comes as a shock to everybody. Um, as I'm reading through this section, the song, What's Love Got to Do With It, just keeps popping up, right? What's love got to do with it, got to do with it? I'm just over and over, and I'm like, Lord, please block this out. I've got to study your word, not listen to this song in my mind. 
And it hits me like just, I don't know, late one day, it hits me. What's love got to do with it? Love's got everything to do with it. Everything. Everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Works are good, but love is better. Luke 10. Luke 10. This is going to be Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, and um, they're both really focused on work, right? I mean, you got one that's focused on work and the other not, not so much. So uh, context is Mary and Martha are here. They're in their house. The Lord is at their house, and, um, and we'll, we'll pick up in verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered, he being Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So here you have Martha saying, hey, Jesus, you can come, come hang out at my house. Um, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. I think that it can be easy as a believer, especially a believer who um, may not be a new believer. You know, they're a little older in their faith. Um, not necessarily physically older, just spiritually older. I think it can be easier for those to get in this habit of working for the Lord, and we, we kind of cease to, to stop sitting at his feet and hearing his word. And so the encouragement here is, I'm not saying that works aren't important. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in serving others or serving the Lord, but I am saying that according to this, it's also important that we sit at Jesus' feet and we hear his word. All right, I mean, we've got to do that. We have got to do that. All right, so if you find yourself in this position, good news is we have Revelation 2.5 to go through. Wow, I skipped a long way ahead. Um, what should we do? First word is remember, right? 2.5 says, remember, therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So this term for remember is to keep in mind. Keep in mind. And from where is from what condition? So keep in mind the condition you were in before you fell. Before you started leaving your first love, remember what condition you were in. What were you doing? What were your thoughts? What were your actions? I mean, when you're loving the Lord well, it's important, I think, that we stop and go, what are we doing? What's causing us to love the Lord well? And Jesus here says, repent twice. You know, for me, I I don't know that the teenagers have this. Y'all, y'all still have whiteboards in the rooms, right? School rooms? Okay, because like, when I talk about writing stuff on a board, y'all look at me funny. So um, I didn't know if y'all had something digital, like, I don't know, glass or something. But anyways, um, repentance, like for me, when I see something in Scripture twice, like I think of a teacher writing something on, on a whiteboard or chalkboard, like, okay, that's going to be on the test. Like I should definitely study that part. So here, when I see repent twice, I see extreme importance 
Okay, we, we've got to repent. Like, that's part of the process. We have to remember where we were before we started leaving our first love. But we've also got to repent. Repentance to turn, turn away from, turn back to. And he says it twice. Repent. Turn away from what you're doing now and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you turn away. All right? If you're finding yourself in a position right now where you've left your first love, turn away. Stop doing that. Go back. Think about the things you were doing when you were loving your first love well. I think at times in a Christian life, you're going to have those ups and downs, right? You're going to be in seasons where Loving the Lord is going to come natural. It's going to be easy. Um, you're going to have fun. There's not going to be a whole lot of effort that you're going to have to ne- necessarily exude to, to love him. And then there's going to be times where it's going to be like nails on a chalkboard. You know, just it's, it's troublesome. It's tiring. It's, it's work. I think when we're in those spots, it's important to reflect, to remember certain things. And I think the first thing we need to start with is salvation. Um, I know it wouldn't get through this one. <laughs> Years ago, before I was before I was born, my mom she would pray for my salvation. She'd pray for Megan's salvation, not knowing that I would one day marry Megan. I got saved around six or seven. So for six or seven years, my parents prayed for me to come to know the Lord. And that means a lot. Because for the last seven or eight years, I've been praying for my little girl to come to know the Lord. And she knows him now. A couple weeks ago, she comes into the backyard. She says, Daddy, I want to know that when I die, I go to heaven. I said, okay. So I talked to her a little bit, and it became a little evident to me that heaven wasn't the real goal. Heaven was the goal because she knew that's where Jesus was. She wanted Jesus. So I told her, I said, you know, when you're ready... Your mom and I will sit down and we'll talk to you. And she, Daddy, I'm ready right now. So I took my work gloves off. I was working in the backyard and took my work gloves off. And we went and we prayed with her. And it wasn't obviously the prayer that saved her. It was, it was my Lord. Later that night, we're praying. And I'm um, putting her to bed. And that little girl 
Lord, thank you for saving me tonight. The next morning, she comes down, jumps in my lap. Daddy, I can't believe I got saved last night. She went from someone who didn't know Jesus to someone who was so in love with Jesus like that. When I think about my salvation, it's similar. I went from an enemy of the cross to the friend of a cross like that because of what Jesus did. It is hard for me not to love the Lord well, to keep my first love when I think about my salvation, period. When I think about what the Lord did in my life, it just, it causes this love within my heart. It it melts away ice. It crushes stone. I mean, I've had hard hearts before. And my salvation, thinking through what the Lord has done for me, it just obliterates it. And so, if you've, if you've left your first love, I encourage you, think through your salvation. Think about what the Lord's done for you. Think about what the Lord's done for you. Do the first works. Right, we see that in, in 5. It says, therefore... From where you have fallen, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first work. So stop what you're doing, turn away from it, and then do what you used to do. Read, pray, fellowship, testify what the Lord has done. I think these are indicator spots in our life. If, if you think through personally, when you're not reading like you should be, when you're not learning his truth like you should be, when you're not in communication with him on a consistent basis, if you're not fellowshipping with others, guys, I'm just going to tell you, I need y'all. Like, I need y'all bad. I'm a mess without y'all. I need my fellowship. Like, I love it. And there's some of y'all in here I don't even know, but if you're my brother and sister, I need you. Like, I just, I gotta have you. And so, like, if you're not, if you're, if you're ceasing this fellowship part, like, please stop. You, 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 it's, it's so pivotal for loving your first love. And I think testifying, like, I'm just, like I told y'all, thinking through this for myself personally for the last several weeks, I've approached this subject of this isn't for me. Like, I'm just being honest with y'all. I've gone the last several years, the Lord has really been growing me. Um, through through Grace School of Theology, through um, Grace Here, through teaching. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is going on in me that's just, it's equipping me. The Holy Spirit is just, he's had a hold of me for the last several years. And so when I come to this, I'm like, I got that. Like, I'm loving you well. And reading through this, I'm like, uh, I'm not. Like, this is me. I'm the church at Ephesus. If you look on the outside, maybe not my physical appearance, but if you look on the outside, you're like, I mean, hey, stuff's going pretty good. But inside, 
Like, I just feel like I'm, I'm in that process of leaving my first love. And I was telling Rob that before, before church started today. It's like, Lord, you directed me here, and in my mind when I approached it, it was for y'all. Like, I'm like, somebody out here needs to hear this. And a week later, I'm like, I ain't nobody out there that needs to hear it. It's me. I need this. Testifying to what the Lord has done, it helps. It helps me. I love talking about my, my Jesus. Like, I love it. And the more I do it, the more I love him. I mean, the more that I verbally tell other people what the Lord has done in saving me, what the Lord's doing in revealing his deep truth to me, what the Lord's doing in my quiet time with him. I mean, y'all, there are, Tuesday mornings are like some of my best times of prayer. Um, Chase, you're going to laugh at this one. <laughs> so I've got a couple guys that I work with that um, they make me angry. Um, just being honest with you. They, uh, they like to make me upset. It's something they enjoy. And so Tuesday mornings are our meeting time. Like I, that's my time I get to gather all of them together and just yell at them, right? And so it's like an enjoyment time for me. And it's like, all right, y'all have yelled at me Wednesday through Monday. It's my turn now. And Tuesday mornings, I kind of wake up. I've got to, you know, do it early in the morning. And, and I've got a, roughly a 40-minute drive into work. And it never ceases that when I spend that 40 minutes praying, I don't end up yelling at them. I find something to congratulate them on, something to tell them, hey, we need to do better, but there's no harsh words. There's nothing like that. Um, so, Chase, if, you, if I yell at you Tuesday, you know I didn't pray. <laughs> um, like, prayer is so essential for us. Like, I'm just telling y'all, when I'm going through this list for myself, it's like, okay, yeah, so when I'm reading, praying, fellowshipping, and testifying of what you're doing, I'm keeping my first love. Like, you're it. You're my all. Like, you're, you're all I desire. And when I'm not doing these things, or even one of those things, it becomes more difficult to keep my first love. So, my encouragement is that you do a personal evaluation. Just a self-evaluation. I'm not here to judge you. You're not supposed to be here to judge me, but if you do, that's whatever. That's between you and the Lord. My encouragement is that we would all self-evaluate ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit don't do it in your own power, because if you do, you'll be like me coming into this, and you're like, no, I got it. You, you, you just don't. Like, I love you. You don't. I don't. Like, there's, there's no way we can love the Lord like we're supposed to. Like, we're just not going to on this side of eternity. But I want to. I want to. Repent, repent, repent. If you have left your first love, repent. Repent, repent. Stop doing what you're doing. Turn away from it. Do the first works. Come back to the Lord. Love him. Love him well. All right? And again, I think it's so, so important. Think about your personal salvation. I mean, I'm just telling you, I have a difficult time not loving the Lord and being thankful for what he's done for me when I think about him hanging on the cross for my sins. That the justification piece gets me every time how me and myself, I'm going to stand justified before the Lord because of what the Lord did. Like, Corey has nothing to do with it other than being unjustified. Like, I did that. But everything else is, is Jesus Christ. 
And so, like for me, I just, that salvation piece, it starts there for me because it, it's just a crux for me. Like it, it gives me, it moves the needle to the reading, the praying, the, the fellowshipping, the testifying because, wow, salvation is, it's everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to come to you and say thank you. Lord, thank you that you brought me to Revelation 2. Lord, you were so good. Lord, you, you're just awesome. I mean, you saw, you see me starting that process of leaving my first love, and you're just, you're so faithful. God, I love you. Lord, I love that you were just so intimately involved in my life. Lord, you know me better than I know me. Father, I pray that your word has been proclaimed accurately. Father, I pray that your spirit would would pierce, your word would pierce. Lord, I don't want to be like this church, and I don't want this church to be like this church. Lord, I, I want the actions, but the, the internal, I don't want. I want to be known as a believer who loves his first love. Lord, I want this church to be a church that loves their first love. Lord, everything else flows from that. Lord, it's, it's obvious that you, you desire that. You desire for us to love you first. Father, I pray that you would help us to do that. Father, I pray that as we close in worship, Lord, that you would, um, you would be the focus. Father, that your works would be on our thought, not ours. Father, that we would worship you, we would in that, we would glorify you, we would bring honor to your name. Father, we love you. So in your name I pray, amen. If y'all stand and close with us.
Good morning. I've never done a church discipline along with baby dedication, but Chris Laughlin, if you'll... uh, I appreciate the youth leading today, and um, we uh, are so thankful for the youth leaders and for their ministry um, to the Lord, and uh, the love that we have in serving the Lord is something that we long to keep, and uh, that should be the motivation for our service, is our love for the Lord, and so uh, I trust that will continue for all of us. This morning we uh, want to dedicate little Isaiah Reed Cooper. I tried to get Thaddeus in there, it's just not working. I told him they could go with four names, I mean that's fine. Um, but we want to dedicate this morning Isaiah uh, Reed Cooper to the Lord. And So I'm going to ask Corey and Megan and the kids to come up here and wanted to just share some scripture as a reminder um, this morning. Psalm 127 and verse 3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. That is something we need to be reminded of along the way, isn't it? Children are a gift of the Lord. Because they grow up, and every once in a while, children get on our nerves. Just every once in a while. But we are, as Christians, reminded through verses like this, that indeed children are a gift of the Lord. And just as Corey and Megan prayed for their kids, their two oldest in terms of salvation, uh, we can join them in praying for the salvation of their son, for the salvation of Isaiah um, that the Lord has given them. There's a quote that I found. No one's name was attached to it, but I really like the quote. The statement, children are a gift of the Lord, is an important reminder that even the most significant of human achievements are not actually human achievements. They're divine blessings and gifts from the Creator. Uh, And in a world where evolution just is bannered about over and over, we can stand and without apology say there is one creator. And we thank him this morning for little Isaiah Reed. Corey, you put him to sleep, buddy. Hey, Hey, buddy, how are you? These are my kiddos. (laughs) They were over at the house last night and... They came to see me, right? He brought me a pumpkin. <laughs> but Corey came over for gumbo. That's why they came. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, this morning we want to um, be reminded that not only does Corey and Megan have the responsibility to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as the Bible says, and that specifically there is for fathers. Um, but alongside of them, we want to come along and we want to encourage them. And, you know, I was thinking that, you know, today the youth led the service, but 
our children here are very blessed to be a part of a ministry um, led by Andrea Stovall. We thank the Lord for Andrea. Um, just as a side note, if you were here Wednesday night, we had a lot of people here. And um, they were exposed to the gospel. You know, there's a little track that goes in the bags. And so while we appreciate the youth, and we do, it starts with children. And we've had Sunday school teachers. Some of them have been Sunday school teachers for a very, very long time. But at the center of their class, for every one of them, is the gospel of Christ. And so we're thankful for that. And so you can be encouraged, Corey and Megan, that not only are your children hearing the gospel over and over again uh, from you, but they're hearing it when they come here to grace. And hopefully, as friends, right, and as family, meaning spiritual family, we'll come alongside of them, and we will minister to little Isaiah. Isn't he cute? He is just cute. Uh, hey, but he woke up, you heard your pastor, didn't he? <laughs> hey, All right. Well, we want to have a word of prayer, prayer of dedication. Before we do, I'm going to ask for something on your part. That if you're committed to coming alongside of this family and encouraging them in Christ, encouraging these children with the gospel, I'm going to ask you to stand. That you would make that commitment as a part of the church family. If that's your desire, and we want to pray for little Isaiah. Can I hold little Isaiah? Hey, buddy, come to Pastor Thad. How are you? Huh? Listen, don't cry during the prayer, all right? Let's pray for little Isaiah. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful gift that you've given to Corey and Megan. We thank you, Lord, that little Isaiah was born into a family who emphasizes the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just pray, Lord, that at a young age, little Isaiah would come to know you as Savior and would live for you as Lord in his life. Lord, I thank you for Corey and Megan. I thank you for their family. Lord, I just thank you so much um, for this morning and for the opportunity for the youth to lead. And uh, we just praise your name. You alone are worthy of praise. And so we want to close this morning by saying thank you for this little gift that we all get to share in. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for Isaiah. And I pray that in his life that he would know you and that he would live for you and that he would serve you fervently. And so we commit him to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.